Amen. But you gotta have meat on it. You know, it's got, I have to tell him, when you gotta have meat. Don't don't point me to cheese pizza. That's just a breadstick with the cheese on it. <laughs> They gotta throw some meat on that puppy in order to have pizza. Okay. Have we got everybody? Or is there well, there'll probably be some stragglers. All right. Well, that's okay. Do you have your Bibles? Everybody got their Bibles? Oh, good. Take your Bible, open it up to the book of Philippians, chapter number two. Philippians, chapter number two. And I'm gonna I'm gonna start reading in verse number nineteen. And read down through the end of the chapter, and then there's some things I want you to see in this passage uh, that I hope will challenge you and encourage you and help you. Uh, starting there in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 19, it says this, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord, that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all, and was full of heaviness, because that he had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again ye may rejoice, that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for the good time of fellowship and food that we've had tonight. And Lord, we just ask as we look into your word in the next few minutes that you would indeed uh, use it in our hearts and lives tonight to meet the needs that are here and to challenge us and encourage us. And we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, here in, in Philippians chapter 2, this is a, a wonderful, wonderful chapter. It really is. Because in, in Philippians chapter 2, you get down there to verses 9 and 10, and it tells you, uh, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, the Lord Jesus Christ, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's like the pinnacle of the exciting part of Philippians. And then you, you get down to verse number 12 and 13 and 14. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling and, and don't be afraid to share the gospel. And, and when you realize that the church at Philippi is a persecuted church. They're in the Roman Empire and, and they're risking their lives if people find out they're followers of Jesus Christ. And yet God is still saying to them, work out your salvation. Let your light so shine before men. And, and uh, it's, it's encouraging, it's challenging. And then you get down there to verse 19 where we just started reading and, and to the end of the chapter, 19 through 30. And if you're like me, you probably, when, when the preacher is reading his text, 
you're trying to figure out what he's going to say, what he's going to preach on. And you're thinking, okay, it might be this, it might be that, could be this. But as I was reading verses 19 through 30, your thought process was probably, I don't know what that is. I don't know what he's going to say. And maybe you just resigned yourself and said, there's nothing there. There's nothing. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's what I said when I, was, when I came to the end of Philippians chapter 2. I was, I was preaching my way all the way through the book of Philippians. And I got to verse 19 through 30. And I thought, there's nothing there. Because it's housekeeping between the Apostle Paul and the church at Philippi. Really, the, the tone just changes from after the working out your salvation and, and shining in this wicked world, and then all of a sudden it's, I'd like to come see you, but I don't know my state. He's in prison. He doesn't know if he's going to get out or not. I'd like to send Timothy, but I can't send Timothy right now. I'm going to send Epaphroditus. When you send Epaphroditus to me, he got sick. And you'd heard that he almost died and now he's well. So when he comes back, you receive him and give him honor because he got sick on his way to see me. That's, <laughs> just be honest with you from a, a little preacher secret, that's not much to go on, amen? Mm-hmm. There, there's not like some great moment here. There's no wonderful truth to grab onto and, and no obvious outline or anything like that. And so when I was... When I was preaching through the book of Philippians, I got to that part and and I took the time-tested method of Bible exposition and I skipped it. That's that's, that's the time-tested method. If you can't find something good there, you just skip it. You say, well, no, preachers don't do that. Oh, yes, they do. If If you read any commentaries, I don't care if it's a dead guy or a guy who's alive, whatever it is, you read some commentary and he'll just be telling you everything that's there and you come to some passage that you're really not sure about, you know what he'll do? He will skip over it. Yep. Nine times out of ten, he will just skip right over it because yep. he doesn't know what's there either. Really <laughs> it's a time-tested method of Bible exposition. <laughs> Amen. But I got all done and then I felt guilty. You know, I'd left out half a chapter right here in the middle of the book and I thought, you know, I, I, I've, I've known the Lord long enough to know that there's nothing in the Bible that's just filler. Right, exactly. We, we may not understand exactly what it's there for or exactly what it's saying, but there's nothing there mm-hmm. just to fill space. Yeah. God didn't do that. Because right. all Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, mm-hmm. for correction, for instruction. It's all, it's all worthwhile. And so I realized, I admitted, the problem is not the passage. The problem is me. And just not seeing what's there that's profitable to me. And so I went back to it, and I reread it, and I, I read it over and over and over, and I asked God, show me, show me what I'm missing. And, and then it began to dawn on me, there's something here that, that I was overlooking altogether. And it's what I want to give you tonight. In this passage... There are three kinds of workers that are talked about. And these three are in pretty much every church. And you are probably one of these or a combination of a couple of these. And so that's what I want to that's what I'm preach to you about tonight. Three kinds of workers. And I want you to find yourself in here. 
and then allow God to use it in your heart. Amen? Now the first one, the first one is right off the bat, it's Timothy. Look at verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Look at verse 22. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. Here's Timothy. Now Timothy, Timothy gets saved young. And he grows up in a, in a godly home. We know from the book of 1 Timothy that he had a godly mother and grandmother who took it upon themselves to teach him the scriptures. And Paul refers to him as my son in the faith. Now, whether Timothy got saved the first time Paul came through or whether his mother and grandmother got saved the first time Paul came through and then their testimony led him to get saved young and they taught him the scriptures. Either way, he is a, a direct result of the personal ministry of the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. And so he says he's worked with me, he's, he's my fellow laborer, all the rest. Timothy is that one who gets saved young, grows up under the Word of God, and has a desire to serve God early on. You know, it would be wonderful if that was the case with everybody. It's not the case with everybody, but it's wonderful when it happens. And so here's Timothy. As a little guy, he's learning the Scriptures, and by the time the Apostle Paul comes through Lystra again, in Acts chapter 16, he has studied the Scriptures, he's learned the Scriptures, and Paul said, why don't you come along with me? And Timothy said, that's what I'm looking for, is an opportunity to jump in and serve God. And so Timothy goes with Paul, travels with Paul for an extended period of time, and eventually ends up pastoring in Ephesus, and is the recipient of the books of First and Second Timothy, that God inspires Paul to write. And so Timothy is a unique guy. He's steady, he's faithful, he's dependable. Even here, Paul said, you know him, I know him, I know that he has the same heart I have, and I wish I could send him because I know exactly what he would do when he got there. I trust him. He's faithful, he's solid. Every pastor wants a bunch of Timothys. Mm-hmm. If you ask them, what kind of people do you want? That's the kind I want right there. I want the ones that are always there. They're always faithful. You can depend on them no matter what. You know they're going to be in their place. They're going to do their job. You can trust them. You know they have the right heart. All the rest of it. As, as Timothy travels with Paul, he gets a unique privilege that very few got to have. Timothy is there somewhere nearby when Paul is writing down Scripture. He's there when Philippians is written. He's there when 2 Corinthians is written. He's there when Colossians and 1 and 2 Thessalonians and Philemon are written down. Timothy is with Paul when he's writing those things down. Can you imagine getting to peek over the shoulder of the Apostle Paul and see the Word of God written down before anybody else ever got to see it? Amen. I don't know if he got to peek over the shoulder, but I would have. If it was me, I would have tried. Amen. Maybe after Paul is done writing some things, Timothy has to clean things up and collect things and he gets to see the words of God. What a wonderful privilege that is. Mm-hmm. So he's a, he's a privileged young man. He's a solid young man. He's one that loves God and wants to serve God. But you know, he probably had some physical issues as well that he had to deal with in his life. Remember the Apostle Paul, 
had the thorn in the flesh. And three times he, he asked God to remove it. God didn't remove it. And he just had to live with it the rest of his life. Look over at 1 Timothy in, uh, in chapter number 5. Leave a, a hand in Philippians 2 because we're coming right back there. But in 1 Timothy chapter number 5. Here's why I, I say to you he may well have had some physical issues. 1 Timothy 5 and verse number 23. It says, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Now every drunk knows that verse is in the Bible. They, they don't know where it is and they don't know what the context is or who it's written to or anything else, but every drunk knows that's in there somewhere and they hang on to that for dear life. Amen. If you just look at what it says, you know he's not talking about social drinking or going out and partying. He's talking about medicine here. That's what he's talking about. He's saying you, you've got some often infirmities. Evidently, Timothy must have had some kind of digestive issue or stomach problem or, I, I don't know, ulcers. I, I have no idea. But whatever it was, as Paul is writing in the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he says you need to take care of yourself. You need to do this and take care of yourself because you don't want to cut your ministry short. There's no reason to have your ministry end before it should end. So you need to take care of yourself. He may well have been plagued with something that he was stuck with throughout his life and yet he was still faithful. Amen? And if he could do that, we could do that. Amen. Everybody's got some kind of problem or ache or pain or issue or something, but you just you stay faithful. Amen. You just stay faithful. John Maxwell is a, is a motivational speaker. And uh, he wrote a book called Developing the Leaders Around You. And in his book he said this, most of the significant things done in the world were done by persons who were either too busy or too sick to do them. There's a lot of truth in that. If you look at some of the greatest inventions that were ever, ever made, some of the greatest works of art, pieces of music, uh, all kinds of things. Some of, the, some of the most notable things ever done were done by people who had every excuse to stop. And yet they kept going. The same thing is true in ministry. Some of the greatest works that have ever been done for God around the world were done by people that we would have said, you've been through enough, just go home. Hudson Taylor went to China. He went to China, and it was back in the day when when the missionary went, they went by boat. There was no communication back and forth. The chances of getting correspondence were almost non-existent. And he was there for years and years. His wife died and he buried her there. And years and years and years and years went by. Nobody, nobody got saved. Nobody. And he stayed and he was faithful and he just kept giving them the gospel and he just stayed and stayed. And, stayed. and then somebody got saved. And then somebody else got saved. And all of a sudden it was like a dam burst and thousands of Chinese people got saved under the ministry of Hudson Taylor. It was amazing. Amen. Listen, there are, there are house churches in China today that claim that they can trace back their own heritage all the way back to Hudson Taylor and his missionary journeys to China Amen. when a great, 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 great grandparent got saved because Hudson Taylor was there. We would have said to him after he's on the field for years and his wife dies and all the rest, we'd have said, come home. Just come home. But he stayed. Right. That's a Timothy, amen? Mm -hmm. 
And that's, that's who this young man is. He just doesn't stop and he doesn't quit and he's faithful and he's always there and he's the kind of church member that every pastor wants. And if you're a Timothy, then keep being a Timothy. Amen? Just keep doing it. Don't stop. Keep being it. But there's a second guy here and his name is Epaphroditus. Look if you would at verse 25. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. You see, Epaphroditus is from Philippi and the the church at Philippi sent a a package, a care package to the Apostle Paul while he's in Rome. And Epaphroditus is the guy who delivers it. And so Paul says, here's Epaphroditus, he's your messenger, but he's my, my fellow servant and my companion in labor. Epaphroditus, we we don't know much about him, but we do know his name. His name is made up of two parts. The first part is the the little prefix EP, the ep part. If you look at verse 25 in your Bible and cover up the EP, do you see what's left there? Aphroditus, right? Mm -hmm. If you get rid of the EP, you got Aphrodite. You know who Aphrodite was? She was a pagan, heathen goddess. Yeah. Yep. So we know Epaphroditus didn't get saved young and grow up in a good home where they taught him the scriptures. Not like Timothy. Instead, Epaphroditus grew up in a pagan, heathen, idol-worshipping household. Mm -hmm. I mean, he grew up in paganism. So much so that his parents named him after the goddess that they worshipped. That's pretty serious. But somewhere along the line, this guy whose name says he belongs to Aphrodite, instead, he heard the gospel, he trusted Christ, and he doesn't belong to Aphrodite anymore. Now he belongs to Jesus. Amen? Amen. And he's so excited, he can hardly stand it. He's bouncing off the walls. You know, he's, he wants to serve the Lord. He loves Jesus. He's excited. He knows what he got saved from. He knows what a mess his family was and the whole history. And, and he's done with all that. And he's following Jesus. And he's just looking for something to do to serve God. He's the kind of guy that, you know, he gets saved after a rough life, maybe out of some wickedness and some addictions and some sin and all that kind of stuff. And he's just excited and he wants to serve God. And he's so excited that sometimes he just gets a little carried away. You know, like you go out and put, get a whole stack of tracks and start putting them in mailboxes up and down the road. Well, you can't do that. That's illegal. You can't do that. But he just wants to serve God. Amen? I know of a couple times in my home church in Fairbanks, Alaska, we get somebody like that, you know, just freshly saved and all excited and saved out of a mess and and a couple times we had to get after him for putting tracks in mailboxes. <laughs> it's because it looked like a good idea. They wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. You say, well, sounds like he's a goofball. Well, no, he's not a goofball. Look at what Paul said about him. He's my brother, my companion in labor, and fellow soldier. Wow. That's, that's not a goofball. That's just somebody who's excited about serving Jesus, that's all. And then we find out that as he was bringing the care package to the Apostle Paul, he gets sick, he's taking no thought for his own health or his own, his own safety, and he delivers the package, but he gets so sick that he almost dies. And, and God heals him, and he's well, and, and he's just he's so excited 
that he just wants to serve. That's all. And Paul is going to send him back to Philippi. You know what he's going to be carrying when he goes back to Philippi? He's going to be carrying the book of Philippians. That's what he's going to have in his hand when he goes back to Philippi. You see, Timothy gets the privilege of seeing some scripture written, but Epaphroditus, he's going to get to carry it back to the church whose name is on it. And, and I don't know how they did it, but I wouldn't be surprised if since he's the one who brought it back, he might get to stand up next time they meet together and read this thing to them out loud. What a privilege that would be, amen? And I would imagine he gets a little embarrassed when he gets to the end of chapter 2 and it talks about how he got sick and nearly died and all the rest. But he goes on through. Listen, every church needs Timothys. You, you can't make it without some Timothys. But every church needs Epaphroditus too. They do. Because just between you and me, Timothys can get a little boring. They're faithful. But sometimes they're so faithful that even after they don't really feel like doing anything for God, they stay faithful. And they need something that kind of recharges their batteries a little. You know what recharges the batteries of a Timothy? An Epaphroditus. That's what does it. That's what keeps a Timothy... Uh, uh, alert, and that's what keeps a Timothy serving because he loves God. And listen, Epaphroditus is bouncing off the walls, and and the tendency of Timothy is to tell him to sit down and calm down, and everything will be all right. Listen, if you get somebody who comes in and they're just excited and want to do something for Jesus, do it with them. I mean, if they say, "Hey, can we can we go knock on some doors? Can we pass out some tracts? Can we tell some people about Jesus?" Don't discourage them from doing that. Go with them. Amen. And what it will do is get you excited again about Amen. doing something for God. You say, well, well, can we go pick up some kids and bring them in for this thing or that thing? Well, sure. Go with them. Amen. That's a good thing. You need, you need Timothys, but you need Epaphroditus too. Now, if all you have is a church full of, of Epaphroditus, pretty soon you go into heresy, and that's, and that's the end of it. But if all you have is Timothys, you just shrivel up. You got to have both, right. and both together keep each other serving God. And Timothy can keep Epaphroditus from putting tracks in mailboxes, and Epaphroditus can keep Timothy from just sleepwalking his way through serving God. Mm. And the two of them together can do great things for God. Amen. You need both. And there's a third category. The third category is in verse number twenty. Look at verse 20. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. These people are not named in Philippians chapter 2. And I think God did that on purpose. Um, because he's not dwelling on them. It's just mentioned in passing almost here. So we're not going to give them a specific name. We'll just call them the others. They're not Timothys, they're not Epaphroditus, they're just others. And what he tells us about them is that they basically are of no use in the work of God. He said, they're, they're not like-minded. I, I know what needs to be done to care for you. Timothy knows what needs to be done to care for you. These people are not like-minded. They don't understand that. 
They seek their own. They're not willing to care for others. They seek their own and not the things of Christ. Over in chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, they're mentioned again, and it says they mind earthly things. All they're concerned about is material stuff and fleshly stuff and earthly things. It's the, it's the focus of their entire life, and they just don't have time for the things of God. And so they're of no use when Paul needs somebody to go to Philippi. They're not going. They're too busy with other things and they're not interested in serving God. There are always those in every church. I mean, they'll, they'll come on Sunday morning because they feel like they ought to be there on Sunday morning. But they don't have enough interest in the things of God to go beyond that. To get involved in any kind of thing or to come back other services it's just not there. They are too worldly minded. One of the greatest disappointments in any ministry is when you invest your time and your life and your resources into somebody and you teach them the Word of God and then they take all that you've given them and they basically just throw it away mm-hmm. and go off into the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the biggest disappointments in any kind of ministry. As a Sunday school teacher, as a, as a counselor, as a pastor, it's one of the most hurtful things that happens. It really is. You, know, you pray for your pastor Amen. because Amen. those things happen and you say, well, you know, so-and-so left. Well, for you, it's so-and-so left. For him, it's, it's personal. He said, well, he shouldn't take it personally. He can't help but take it personally. He's their pastor. And when somebody you've invested in walks away and ignores the Word of God that you've taught them, it hurts. And, and if you're not careful, that can, that can build up over time and make you very discouraged and, and disappointed in the things of God. Pray for your pastor and understand that when those things happen, he takes it differently than you do. And it's a hard thing. These people, they, he's taught them the truth, but they're still of no use in the work of God. They're just unprofitable. They're, again, they're only mentioned in passing, and he doesn't dwell on them. And I believe this is the reason. Because you don't know where they're going to be next year at this time. Every church has people in it who are unprofitable for the ministry. I mean, some of them come just to see what they can get. That's a common problem in quote-unquote Christianity today, you know, people will move into town and literally call the church and ask the pastor, what can you give us? What do you have for us? And that's the wrong mentality, amen? Amen. And that's that's where we are in this world. And that's not somebody who's profitable in the ministry. That's what my my pastor used to call a life sucker. (laughs) Suck the life out of everything is what they do, amen? But just because somebody's in that category today, you don't know where they'll be next year or five years from now or ten years from now. Now, here's the scary part. Any one of us can get in that category. We can. We're not careful. We can find ourselves in that category. And if we find ourselves sticking a toe in that water, we need to get out of there quick. The good news is this. You don't have to stay in that category. You can jump categories. So, well, how do you know? Well, from the Word of God. Turn to, turn to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. 
This is a, a sad passage of Scripture. In verse number 36, it says, In some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now, it doesn't take long to read that. But really, that, that's a sad passage of Scripture right there. Do you understand what happened there? Paul and Barnabas, they've been serving God in Antioch, and they've been seeing great things happen. And then they said, hey, what we should do is go back uh, along the trail we've followed where we've established churches and go visit those churches and check on them and encourage them. And Barnabas said, let's take, let's take Mark with us. And Paul said, no. We took him last time. And when we took him last time, we got to Pamphylia, and he, he skipped out on us. He turned around and went home. I'm not taking him with me this time. And Barnabas said, we should take him with us. And Paul said, if he's going, I'm not going. Not going with him. You know, well, it couldn't have been that ugly. Oh, no, it was worse than that. I promise you it was worse than that. Because it says the contention was so sharp between them that they split and went opposite directions. You, you, you mean good, godly men could, could split and part ways over, over something like that? Listen, this is not the first time nor the last time. <laughs> it still happens because we're still flesh. We're still human. And we have our preferences and we have our ideas and sometimes we disagree. And, and if we just continue to disagree, eventually we, we part ways. And so they parted ways. But another wonderful thing about this is that God can even use our foolishness to accomplish His purpose. So Barnabas takes Mark and goes that way. Paul gets Silas and they go that way. That's how chapter 15 ends. But look at how chapter 16 starts. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish, and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him. Isn't that something? Isn't that amazing? I wonder if Paul and Barnabas had gone together that way, if we would know Timothy. I don't know. I have no idea how God works all those things out. But I do know that when they split, the first place Paul goes, there's a young man just looking for an opportunity to serve God. And he says, why don't you go with me? And then Timothy does great things for God. Isn't that amazing? How God can use even something as bad as a disagreement where people split in order to accomplish His purpose. Now by the time you get to 2 Timothy, Paul is at the end of his life and at the end of his ministry. He's going to die and he knows it. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 11, Paul says, now when you come, bring this and that. And you know what else he says? And bring Mark 
for he is profitable to me for the ministry. That's the guy who in Acts 15, he said, if he goes, I'm not going. If he goes, you've got to go some other direction because he's not coming with me. And now here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, at the end of his life, he says, make sure you bring Mark with you because he's profitable to me for the ministry. You know what that tells me? That tells me he jumped categories. Amen? Amen. In Acts chapter 15 or before that, he, he was not doing so great and he wasn't that faithful and he couldn't be depended on. Now you get to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and the Apostle Paul says he's profitable for the ministry. Something changed in there somewhere. Barnabas recognized it first. Paul didn't recognize it, but he does now at the end of his life. I can't even help but think that maybe somewhere along the line in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is saying, bring him because, you know, I, before I die, I would like to see him one more time. Maybe, maybe he wants to apologize for Acts chapter 15. <laughs> I can see that happening. I, I, I hope we get to watch the replay because I want to know what's going on. Amen. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if he was saying, bring him with, bring him with you because I, I really would like to talk to him once more. I don't want the last time I talked to him being... I don't want you with me. I want him to know he's profitable for the ministry. Listen, you might, you might find yourself in that other's category one day, but you don't have to stay there. You probably know somebody in that category. You probably do. Somebody that, that was in church and somebody that was serving God and now they're off in the world and they're messing things up. Listen, just because they're there now doesn't mean they'll be there next year at this time. Right. All it's going to take is for God to get a hold of their heart and everything can change. Right. Really. Five years from now, they could be sitting in church. Ten years from now, they could be teaching Sunday school or raising support to go halfway around the world as a missionary when tonight they're in a mess. You just don't know what God's going to do in somebody's life. And just because it looks like there's no hope now doesn't mean that that's the way it's going to turn out. God inspired Paul to write the book of Philemon tiny little book in your Bible. All it is is a letter from Paul to Philemon saying that your slave who ran away, Onesimus, came to Rome and I led him to Christ. That's what happens in Philemon. He said he was begotten in my bonds. So here's Paul sitting in prison. Onesimus shows up. Paul leads him to the Lord and Onesimus gets saved. But he doesn't just get saved. He gets so saved that he wants to go home and make everything right that he messed up when he left. That's pretty safe. A lot of people don't get that saved. <laughs> but Onesimus got that saved. So Paul writes the letter and says, Onesimus is coming home. I've begotten him in my bonds and all of the damage he did when he left, you just add it all up and I'll take care of it when I get there. It's a wonderful, wonderful picture of the love and the grace of Almighty God. Amen. And then he says this in verse 11. He was unprofitable, but now is profitable to thee and to me. You know where he was? He was over in this other's category. But then he met Jesus, and now he's profitable in ministry. If it can happen to Onesimus, if it can happen to Mark, it can happen to you, it can happen to me, it can happen to somebody who got mad six months ago and left the church and is messing up their life. It can happen to them. Amen? Amen. Amen. There's, there's three kinds. 
There's the Timothys. If you're a Timothy, keep Timothying. Keep being one of those. If you're an Epaphroditus, keep it up. Don't let anybody discourage you. Don't let anybody throw a wet blanket on your excitement. You just stay excited. It'll be all right. If you're in the other category, you just need to get out of there as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. You just need to get your heart right and get back over here where you belong. Most of us really are a blend of those. Oh, there are some, there are some hardcore just Timothys out there. And there are some pretty hardcore just Epaphroditus's out there. But most people have kind of a mix of the two. And that's all right as well. But if you're in that third category, you don't have to stay there. And your friends and your loved ones, they don't have to stay there either. So don't give up on them before God does. Paul was a little quick to give up on Mark. Mm -hmm. But God didn't give up on him. Philemon was a little quick to give up on Onesimus. But God didn't give up on him. And he's not given up on those who are not here who ought to be here. God hasn't given up on them. So let's keep praying for them. Let's keep letting them know that they can still serve God. They can still live for him. They can still honor him with their life. The door's always open. Amen? If they just want to get right with God, we'd love to have them do it and get back where they need to be. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could be here tonight. Lord, thank you for these men and their friendship over the years and their kindness and their attention tonight. Lord, I just pray that these simple thoughts would be an encouragement. God, help us not to find ourselves going into the other's category, but keep us faithful, keep us excited, keep us serving. And God, for those that we know and we care about who are in that category, help us to not quit praying for them. Help us to not quit believing that one day there's still hope for them to come back and serve you and honor you with their life. We'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys, there's pizza. Take one home. I don't know. I don't know if Liz is still. <clears throat> is she a long-winded? Oh, she can be long-winded sometimes. <laughs> I won't quote you on that. Especially if she needs something. Yeah, don't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> That's a secret. <laughs> Put and kick that lawnmower.